For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. Right Night is a talk show with published authors, writers, and content creators discussing both the creative and technical sides of writing, as well as the industry surrounding it from novels to screenplays to comics and more. And now, here's your host, author Travis I. Silverbart. Okay, welcome to Right Night. It's uh, Tonight's topic is going to be Dialogue Interrupted. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Right now, I want to let everybody know my name is Travis Sivard. I am the host and an author of various books and series such as Portals, a medieval fantasy story where people come from our world and inhabit bodies in a medieval fantasy world, and Silver and Smith. Chronicles, Journal of a Stranger, and quite a few others. You can find me at just Google me or look me up on Amazon. Let me introduce the other awesome people here with me. Let me start with you, Robert, please. Hey, I am Robert Turk of Wicked Clever Books and Games. I write short stories, poetry, uh, novels, I, uh, completely inappropriate tales of Ganner Snitch the Goblin, uh, Persnicky Jones' Pirates of Undertow, and uh, role-playing games, Purgatory House, Starship Infernum, and coming up, the end of April 2021, Goblonia, the role-playing game about goblins sticking it to Titania and taking their city back. And Tara? Hi, my name is Tara Muller, and I am the Dreamer-in-Chief at Dreampunk Press, um, full-time editor, and I'm also an author. Um, I write under my own name, mostly novellas of varying genres and non-genres and miscellaneous and also as E.G. Gaddis, uh, where I use that pen name to write young adult vampire, Victorian vampire novels, and young adult steampunk. So, no. the latest of which, Mechanics of Life, came out this month. Congratulations. Now, Tara, let me yeah. ask you, since this is mm-hmm. kind of an editing topic, uh-huh. Tell us a little bit about your editing credentials. You know, just a nice brief synopsis of how long, okay. where, what type. Okay. So I have a bachelor's degree in English from Old Dominion University. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been a technical editor for the United States government, meaning I edit technical documents, copy edit technical documents for 21 years. Okay. Um, I have also been editor slash formatter for several small organizations, um, paper newsletters, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the Potomac Rambler for a while. And then also I did some stuff with the American Red Cross when I had my internship there doing press releases and helping with their newsletter, um, etc. And she's also my editor. So this is Yay. the woman I send books and money to, to make them better. So yeah, she makes you look. Good. And I enjoy getting both. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's uh, one more than the other, but we won't talk about which it is. 
It's because it probably actually is the books, knowing you. And, and <laughs> but uh, okay, so the topic dialogue interrupted. Mm-hmm. There are certain formatting things in writing, such as punctuation, commas, periods, um, quotes, semicolons, colons, m dashes, parentheses that all help break up writing. And in yes. dialogue, quite often the same rules apply, but it feels really weird if you apply in the same, to, at least to me, it feels weird to apply certain things in dialogue like you would just in a narration paragraph. And I'm speaking more so towards the fiction side of things over nonfiction mm-hmm. at the moment, but it would probably apply to both. Um, now, something mm-hmm. before we even get into this, there are different kinds of editors. Yes. Can we talk about that real quick, briefly, and define different types of editors? So there are developmental editors, um, and they're an editor that they're looking at the overall organization of your piece, whether it's an article report manuscript of fiction does the organization make sense for what you've written okay and i just recently um wrote an article for aces which is the editing the the national editing association here in the united states and the developmental editor tore it up <laughs> Um, which was fine because I do know that my, it it was, it was nonfiction. Mm -hmm. Um, and my vision for it had to be shortened because I had a much smaller word count than, um, I thought that I was going to be able to have. Um, and anybody who knows me, I ramble on, I I write like I talk, I will ramble on with my writing as much as I do. And when I edited things out, um, and it was a short time frame, but they said, hey, don't worry about it too much. Send us the draft because we're going to put it through a developmental editor. Um, and when she was done, I mean, it, it just made a lot more sense for somebody who wasn't working for the government in an editing because that's what the article was about. From somebody on the inside, the way I organized it made sense. Her looking at it went, Nobody knows what this is. We got to lead them into this. We got to lead them into this. We need some explanation here because this doesn't make sense to somebody outside of the government. Okay. So that's a developmental editor. Then that is the developmental editor. When you're talking a fiction novel, they're the ones that's going to go, these seem out of order or things seem disjointed. You, You need, we don't know anything about this character that you just, dropped in here and i think we need to know some more about them if they're going to be important now is that the same person that'll be like where'd they find the gun at where'd that come in or how did they know Um, kung fu all of a sudden is that that editor that's a lot of that can happen at the developmental edit in fiction what other kind um Mm -hmm. the next kind which is what i really do which is copy edit some of that happens at the copy edit because sometimes when you're writing, you're just like you thought you've already written it in there or you suddenly have somebody's eye color change and you don't realize it because you made a change and you missed it somewhere. 
the copy editor can pick that up too. Copy editor is basically going through and they're making sure punctuation, subject, verb, it, it's all your grammatical stuff and, and whatnot. Um, when I, and, and like I said, in my day job, I'm a copy editor. That bleeds over into developmental editing, okay? Because sometimes I get something, I'm like, okay, this makes sense because it's completely out of order. You need to readjust your, your paragraph here. Um, a lot of days, like it used to be like in when you had time between when something was written to when something was going to be published, which in traditional publishing, you still have that. You'll have you know, an author will submit something to their agent, their agent gets it picked up and it gets published by that publisher three years down the road. This is why it gets run through a developmental editor who really picks it apart and takes their time. Then it goes through a copy edit stage after it's been rewritten. Um, and then there's the format and proofread stage where you have somebody even again going through and they're basically making sure everything is spelled correctly, um, sentences, and you don't have big long paragraphs where it shouldn't be, and maybe some breaking that up. Um, and then, of course, in traditional publishing, you then have a format. Although sometimes, you know, proofreading and format can happen together, but right. not really, depending on what the end product is going to be. Um, where I work, um, you, we don't have three years to get a report out. No. So I do a little bit of developmental and copy editing and proofreading and formatting all at once. Now, one of the... Um, which, and I go, oh, this is something mm -hmm. I forgot to mention. <clears throat> For those of you listening to the podcast, we have a live chat audience in the live stream at twitch.tv slash Travis Tavern Talk. So you're going to hear us reading off comments and thoughts from them and interacting with them. For those of you in chat, we may not read every comment. Um, the most relevant or entertaining is what we're going to pick and choose from. But Wordwin just dropped a document up there, a picture of a document, that does go through these with a brief paragraph to them up developmental editor, line editor, mm -hmm. copy editor, proofreader, acquisition editor. Now there is bleed over in all these things, but uh and I don't think I, I might step on my own uh put my foot in my mouth here. I don't think somebody pays separate people to do all these things. Cause man, I just don't have uh, Go ahead, Robert. In the but that's the publishing house paying for it, not mm -hmm. yeah. Now maybe somebody pays for it. Robert, what are you gonna say? Right. Well, I was gonna say, um I so I'm lucky enough that my final proofreader is my wife, mm -hmm. uh, who has her PhD uh in art education. And it's not editing, but she can pick up and she can catch those things like um and i probably should have ran so my very first book had a had a glaring error <laughs> travis and i joke about this all the time i spelled the heading of the word acknowledgements wrong spelled it wrong um and nobody caught it six pairs of eyes looked at that book but because i had not paid the editor to look at the final version of it it was friends it was family members it was me the editor if i had sent them like after formatting i liked how you point that out that there's formatting and then there's the proofreading editor afterwards if i had sent it back after it was formatted 
I would hope that the editor would have caught that I spelled acknowledgments wrong. You know, maybe, F- maybe not. F7 might have caught that you too. You had it in all caps, didn't you? Huh? Robert, you had it in all caps, didn't you? Acknowledgement. I did have it in all caps, and it was in my layout program that I wrote the word, so it never spell checked it. Um, hmm. uh, because you have to. Yeah. Just, just a, a hint for folks. We rarely read things that are in all caps. We do not catch misspellings in all caps the way we do. Um, Unless if it's in chat, then we tear the hell out of it. <laughs> if it's on Facebook um, or in a chat, yeah, it's different. But go so on. Just something to, to think about. If you are putting your own book together, um, especially headings, pay particular yeah. attention. If you're able to... Highlight it, change it to all lowercase, and you may catch that and then turn it back to, you know, afterwards. Just a little hint, because our eyes are not trained to read all caps. And we do not, and because there's so often there are acronyms that are all caps that aren't spelled, like they're missing a lot. We have trained our brain not to catch those and to accept those. This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday. So put it into all lowercase and you will probably catch those little misspellings a lot easier. That's brilliant. That, that That's worth, I but, don't know what you charge in a minute. Yeah, but that's worth it. <laughs> I, edit, I edit naval messages that are done in all caps. Right. right. Um, and yeah. I know people will send things to me and they're like, oh, it's fine. It should be fine. You know, and the division head will go, no, we're sending it to Tarda. Look, now I'm an editor. I will actually catch misspellings. I'll go, there's something wrong, but I won't catch it as a misspelling. I'll go, there's something wrong. So I highlight, turn it, I'm like, oh, it's not spelled here. Now I can spell it right for you. Um, But mainly because I've been trained. I mean, I've been doing this for a paycheck for over 20 years. So before that, not always for a paycheck um, for even longer time. But for most of us, we're, we're just not trained to catch that. So it's just a little hint little trick there put it in the lowercase and you'll probably catch your misspellings in your heading what were you going to say yeah i think i think it bears saying since we're talking about all this uh uh, two points one or three points i'm gonna make three quick points one spell check is not an editor correct not an editor okay spell check will find a misspelled word and change it to another word that is spelled correctly it may or may not be the word you meant it to be um two you cannot be your own editor. Yes. You should edit your own work as a writer so that you're not sending your editor a mess. Tara. You should catch the, the information you can, but you cannot be an editor. Your brain will know what you meant to write and it will change the words on the page to be what you wanted to, especially in the case of missing words. You'll read the sentence like you meant it to be and fill in those blanks. So you do need to have someone else edit your work. And really, if you're going to write at a professional level, meaning you're going to sell your writing, you need to pay 
your editor. You need to hire a professional editor and pay them. I think that was point three. I don't know because I'm a writer, not an editor. I don't know how many <laughs> points I just made. Um, I do so, edit some of my own stuff, but I put it away for at least six months. Well, there you go. You got to read it with fresh eyes. Yes. Um, and I do catch a lot of mistakes that way, but I will also... Mostly um, my novellas, but not my long stuff. My long stuff I have somebody else edit. I mean, I don't, I don't edit my... I mean, I don't have anybody edit my blog posts or anything like right, that. Yeah. yeah, we've been meaning uh, to Patreon talk to you about that. And playtest documents, that's the very first disclaimer. Folks, I don't want to know about spelling mistakes or grammar mistakes. They're all through this mess. That'll get fixed when we go to the second draft. I want to know whether it's fun. You tell me if it's fun and what doesn't make sense. But um, you gotta you gotta have an outside editor. You ha and and you should pay that person. And sometimes mm -hmm. this seems like a, a like Travis said. I don't know anybody that pays four separate people. Um, if you've got the money, man, pay those four separate people because you're going to get a much more polished finished product. Correct. Um, in, yeah. In self publishing, um, authors will get beta readers. Yes. And they are filling a lot of the times the position of that developmental editor. Yes. Because what they're doing is they're going, I don't like this character. They don't make sense. Or I, why did you, you know, that's what they're doing. And you have several. You don't just have one beta reader. You, you, you know, you want upwards of a dozen beta readers if you can do that. Because then you have all of this coming back, this feedback. And that can take the place of a developmental editor. A lot of times they're your friends that read in the genre that you're writing in. There is nothing wrong with that. Okay. Yeah. And you, your, and you your friends are getting entertained because they love to read this stuff. Okay. Um, buy them and then what you, do, you give them like the, the finished product, you give them a free book and actual, you know, signed finished product. They're happy. Yeah. You've gotten something. They've gotten something out of it. So, and I'm saying this not just because I'm the copy editor, but a lot of times in self-publishing, pay for that copy editor. Some of because they're going to catch some of that developmental stuff that is left over from your beta readers. Yes. Okay, and pay them. It's not cheap. I know that, <laughs> but pay them. Okay. Um, like I said, for my longer stuff that. I have somebody, I, I pay somebody to edit a lot of the time. There are times, there are times I don't, and I usually regret it. <laughs> yep. I, I'm going to tack on to there. Um, your editor is not your friend. Um, they can be a friendly person and for them, but your editor is a business relationship. Uh, my very first book, I had a friend um, and she's a wonderful friend. She she volunteered to be my editor and she gave me she is an editor or she was an editor and she gave me a reduced rate on the editing. And I was like, OK, I don't know anybody else that's an editor. You can do this book. But she came back with the comment. I enjoyed this book and seeing how you had had. I enjoyed what you were doing so much and knowing you person and this being your first book that I may have forgotten to edit some of. And that's a huge problem. So your editor should not be your friend. Your editor, it's a business relation. You are paying them to do a job. Um, and you want them to, uh, like my friends 
aren't going to necessarily tell me. My really good friends will tell me, this chapter sucks. No, you cannot in your children's book have a cold-blooded murder right here on this page out of the blue. Uh, and I disagree with them. Uh, but <laughs> um, but my very good friends will say, Robert, this is not your best work. This is why. Go back and fix this. But my editor will point to it and say, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Hey, this is really nice. I like what you did here. Don't change this. Now fix this and this and this. Um, where your friends, they don't do that. I'm going to read a quick comment that I'm going to drag us back over here to the topic. Okay. Um, Werdewin says, all that said, I know a writer who only has a copy editor. The copy editor did a fantastic job, but, ooh, man, I can tell they only had a copy editor. On the other hand, the author has 12 books out and pays the bills. Right. And uh, then Werdewin also comments, I was about to say that's half my stories uh, in, in reference to what you were just saying there. So with writing and editing dialogue, we have all these sure. punctuation tools that we can use that feels kind of natural to use in narration. But what about in dialogue? And this could also be, uh, oh, Tara, I sent you a few articles recently. Um, they had a specific yeah. term for it. Dialogue bump, is that the term they used? I, I don't remember. I can't remember. Either. Um And I know these were articles that I went, oh, I really want to know. And like the first half is super, like, I know all this. This is literally elementary Mm -hmm. school stuff. And then by the time I got to what I want to know, I glazed over on all of it. Because it's just (laughs) so much on a topic that it's dry. Yeah. So I tried to glean what I can. So I see you opening your mouth. But let me push us in the direction of, Mm -hmm. in dialogue, using colons or semicolons or m dashes or parentheses is this a functional thing that every writer should be looking at doing and also to keep piling stuff onto the topic here when you put he said she said some are like you put it at the beginning some you put it at the end some you bump it back and forth i love to put small motions in the middle of my thing the thing they're doing while talking whether it's gesturing with their hands or drinking their drink or whatever. Okay, Tara, your turn again. Yeah, it depends on how... A a lot of that comes down to the author's voice. Um, I know everyone says, well, that's not quite... Yeah, it is. I have read passages. He said, she said, he said, she said. Um, And they put it all in the same place. I get bored. I start. You start skipping reading that. It's there. See, I remember. You recognize it, but you keep going. Robert Asprin. You familiar with this author? I read a lot of his stuff in my teens. The Myth Adventures and whatnot. He took Mm -hmm. a break from the myth books, like a ten-year break. Came back and wrote another one, and it was that super blocky, simplified style. He had, you know, some personal issues, some health, Mm -hmm. mental issues. And when he came yeah. back, it was all he said, she said, and it, it grated on me after the really mm-hmm. fluid way he did it previously. Yeah. And he's not the only one. There are some big yeah. name authors that insist the only thing in dialogue that should not be dialogue is he said, she said, or they said that 
and I, I dis, I disagree. But Tara's the editor, um, so. And, and like I said, it's going to come down to, in some ways, how the author is writing. Yeah. And one of the things you, you have to do it <clears throat> correctly. Okay. I see, you know, you got to, because we're on a podcast, she's air quoting correctly. I'm air quoting, sorry, it's just because I can see it. And I was like, what are you calling me? Yeah. Um, in that you shouldn't break your own rules. There are basic things. Everybody knows where you put a period. Every, Some people know where to put a comma. Every three weeks to 28 days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that the podcast we're doing? I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, I'm the wrong one for this one, then too. Anyway, but I am told so frequently that I use too many commas, and I will say, "Read it out loud to me," and they yes. read it out loud perfectly. I said, "Where do I take a comma out?" And they right. shut up. Um, there is, you know, there was a movement at some point, um, you know, there is a philosophy about editing and writing and it shifts and sways. We all know about the Oxford comma. I believe in it. Yes. There are others yes. who do not. Well, they could be wrong. And then they will stumble and there will be a miscommunication and they won't understand us because they needed an Oxford comma. They needed an extra comma in there because it's a complicated sentence. Um, May I jump in before I for shorter sentences and don't use semicolons and I'm like I use semicolons it is part of how I write and communicate so so let me jump in real quick directly but there are always options for how you do that sorry uh before <laughs> before we go too far I want to talk about two things first of all Wordwin yeah. says you can also use structure as a way to subtly indicate a character's voice. If you're writing sure. Captain Kirk as acted by William Shatner, you're going to use more commas than somebody else. It's just yeah. a truth. I would even argue periods. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> some M dashes. Um, but yeah. anyhow, <laughs> um, I also want to mention something else that has changed over the past 10 years in writing is audiobooks. And we have so many audiobooks out there and so many people that are reading via audiobooks to write in a way that sounds natural to the character speaking or somebody reading it out loud is very important now. You know the old saying, selling like hotcakes? What does that even mean? What is a hotcake anyway? They should change it to selling like Hondas because right now Hondas are selling faster than ever. Probably because they're so rugged, long-lasting, and fuel-efficient. And if you want one, you should get to your local Honda dealer right away. Check out the 8-passenger pilot, or maybe the adventurous passport. But you gotta do it fast, because Hondas are selling like, well, Hondas. New models are arriving now. Don't wait. See your local Honda dealer today. Tis the season for those irresistible ginger thins, cozy blankets for cuddling by the fire, and making home warm and welcoming. For one-stop holiday shopping, visit your local IKEA or ikea-usa.com slash holiday. Which means the style of punctuating may shift slightly, so you can read it out loud and know when to pause for the effect that the author is looking for. Robert, I see you scrunching right. your face. Um, 
Well, and I think, so I'm of the school of thought that number one purpose of writing is to communicate your thoughts, to communicate your information clearly. That's the job of an author. Um, and sometimes that means there are rules that you have to break or disregard because they change your thoughts. They change your meaning. Sometimes there's no perfect way to punctuate what you want. Um, and so you have to come up with your own way. And as long as you are internally consistent, then you're fulfilling that goal of communicating your information clearly, uh, even if it doesn't fit your style guide. Um, you just got to make sure your editor's on the same page yeah. and that you have that conversation when they start kicking back the notes, say, hang on, time out. Let's talk about this and and tell me if you really think I'm really wrong. And I'm still going to do it my way anyway. Uh, but I'm going to pay you for your advice. No, um, because there are instances, especially I think dialogue's the big one. I, I think dialogue is the big one. That you have to be creative. You're a creative writer. You have to be creative to get the point and to recreate the dialogue and the scene that you hear in your head or if you're reading it out loud. So you're right, like an audience, that it is obvious or really close to what you envisioned that anybody looking at it would read it that way. Um, so I think you break the rules as long as when you break a rule, you always break that rule in that same instance to convey that same point. Yeah, the consistency. Whether it's yes. for just that character or for that right. book or all of your writing. Yeah. Um, I know that one of the things that, Travis, you and I had specifically discussed were M dashes in dialogue. Right. And that was something that you had found kind of confusing. Um, the way I look at, because there are style guides mm -hmm. out there, and there are several, and then each a publishing house would have their own style guide. And you should meet that, especially if you're submitting to them like the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't break rules of a style guide, a house style guide the first time you submit, unless you are already a big name. Yeah. Um, because they, they're, they're just going to throw it out because that means you don't know how to follow direction, which is different than following a rule. Right. Which, by the way, if you're a publishing house or a agent and you don't post what rules you use on your web website, shame on you. Because I have mm -hmm. had that before where they send it back going, it's not in the format I want. I'm like, great, we're on your website. Is that format? We use the standard format. What is the standard <laughs> format you use? Yeah, because there is no standard format anymore. Right, right. There used to be, but there isn't really a standard format anymore. Because if you go out and you go looking, there's like three versions. Right. Um, so back, back to M dashes. See, M dashes, I'm good in the middle of a statement. But I've been reading yeah. and researching where should be using them at the end, just before the close so, instead of a period. Here's my, and, and I'm going to call this a philosophy because this is my thinking process when I edit dialogue. There is nothing wrong with breaking dialogue from a single person with an action. Because that's how it actually worked. Right. As long as you're not 
breaking it up in an awkward place. And mm -hmm. I think I've, I've changed some things for you where I'm like, okay, that didn't work there for me. So let's change this around. Right. And if it is, if the action being taken in your paragraph is by the person speaking, we're going to use commas. Okay, maybe an ellipsis, maybe because if, if they're thinking while they're talking, so they, they start what they're going to say, we'll put an ellipsis in there if it kind of falls off. See, I think and then they yeah, go, a hesitation is ellipsis, exactly. whereas pausing or for a follow. breath or an effect, that's a comma. Yes. All right. So the end, you know, the beginning of the dialogue, you know, comma, end quote action by the person which you don't always have to say so and so said while they no it's an action just put the action in there because right. you, you you need to keep things moving and a lot of times Mama. when i put an action in there it's an identifier but i don't yes. want to say he said she said and the reason exactly. i do that identifier is again that audiobook i have listened to audiobooks where Back in the 80s, I'd read books and it'd be a two-person conversation and you knew the quote ended, the next person was speaking, you didn't yeah. need he said, she said, and you could right. go four to six paragraphs without an mm -hmm. identifier. But now in and an audio book, a little harder. Yeah, it's a little bit harder. Um, and if you have created differentiating enough voices for your characters in your book, then you can do that. Or maybe it's just one particular character that you're able to put in so that somebody can tell that's them because you've kind of given them a dialect or something. You can do that. But you have to be careful with that too because then the reader's going to notice that you're only doing it for that one character. Right. Right. Readers are smart. Don't forget that. Um, if you have someone speaking and their dialogue is, what they're saying is, interrupted by the action of somewhere else, someone else, mm -hmm. the person they're talking to or somebody else, then I will use the M dash because it's broken off. Okay. They right. weren't yeah. thinking, they weren't. And then I start and you start a new paragraph because you're somebody else's action. Yes. Right. Yes. See, and Old period. And then you can start with the, oh, they're going to finish what they said. M dash at the beginning to complete what they were going to say, period. See, and I think don't if they they stop and it's a new complete thought because whatever the person did changed what they're saying you're not going to use that m dash thing you're going to go and you'll start with their action or their thinking their reaction to it and then what they decide to change it to um it's it's hard because you have to it depends on the dialogue in the 80s when i was growing up i did a lot of reading and i Almost never saw M dashes. And as far as I recall, never at the end of, just before a quotation, at the end of a statement or a comment or whatever. Mm -hmm. Even interruptions, as far as I remember, and I could be misremembering, I allow that, they were always ellipses, even if somebody was interrupted. Um, mm -hmm. Now, that is changing from what I'm seeing, and I can learn, and I can be taught, and I can change. By the way, Werdewin had a couple comments. For screenwriting, there is a standard okay. format. Unfortunately, there's two yeah. of them, and God help you if you guess wrong. Then Wordman says, my rule is that if they're pausing long enough for an ellipse, then I should show why they're pausing. Yes, good point. So go on, Tara. Yeah. yeah. Um, hold on. Okay. Um, while she's Sorry, drinking. Uh-huh. Yeah, I needed to. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm trying to stay awake. Um, 
Robert? Um, I, I don't know that. So like, I, I hear what you're saying about in the eighties. I don't remember seeing M dashes there, but an ellipsis uh, indicates more that it, that it trails. Yes. Off. yes if it's I a agree. sudden stop, if it's a sudden stop, that's definitely an M dash or they finish their sentence and it's a freaking period or a question mark right. um, or an exclamation. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interruption. <laughs> I That's... can see Tara wants to say something because she shrinks into her turtleneck. No. She, she, like, <laughs> no, waiting no, to pounce no, here. You're the editor. So, so what happened in the 80s? We got computer. Right. Oh, that's a fair point. People were no longer writing on typewriters. Oh, because you can't do an M-dash on a typewriter. You cannot do an M-dash on a typewriter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Look at that. The history of writing and editing here on... Uh, night. Fight night with writers. <laughs> yes. um, Tickle fight. And something that we lost but after typewriter. Werdewin says, Word, says, Tara, the snapping editor. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, the thing um, that we lost. But one of the other things that, that we kind of lost, uh, the interrobang was actually easier to do on a typewriter than because you have to go looking for it and find it for a computer in a typewriter you typed your whether it was the question mark or the exclamation point that you wanted and then you backspaced one and you typed the other over the top to give it an interrobang uh, we've lost that i love oh i mean you gotta understand i'm old enough that my the first short stories that I was writing was on a typewriter. Do you yeah. want to define... And my mother got three-year-old manual one home when they got the electric Selectra at, at her office, and so I'm at home on a manual typewriter typing my first stories, okay? Do you want to define so, first... What's an interrobang? Okay. It's an exclamation exclamated question. Okay. And I love... You can tell what I love interrobangs too, right? Um, but so the advent of the computer changed that two, two spaces after a period, I learned two spaces after a period. Um, and a lot of people are like, no, 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 don't, you can't. And I'm like, well, it depends on the font you're using. Yes. If you're using Times New Roman and you do not put two spaces after your period, you can't find that period sometimes. Right. Yeah. Times New Roman is a squished up font. And it has right. those little serifs, and you're like, is that a period? Is that a comma? That's why, you know, with typewriters, that's why you had two spaces. It was in Times New Roman. You couldn't change the font to play with something <laughs> else. You had one font. One. Yep. Not only one. That's it, Werdewin. Werdewin put an interrobang into the... Uh... Yep. By the way, this interrobang question mark is the statement. <laughs> so. Um. So there's 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 old rules, and again I'm doing my air quotes. There we go. Um, from the time of typewriters, and when everyone switched over to computers, initially everybody followed the same rules because for the most part, when we first had computers, you had that horrible computer font, um, and then you had some choices, um, and then you had choices of a lot of fonts, and then they were able to you know change things. And as our writing, I mean, if so you go back and you read 
um, Bram Stoker's Dracula and how that was written. If if Bram Stoker were alive today <laughs> and wrote that manuscript and submitted it, it would be sent back and told, you do not know how to write. It's true. And how we punctuate has changed with how we write. Um, yeah, in the 80s, you, you didn't see M dashes. To, to, it was an ellipsis. And you were like, you kind of had to know whether, you know, from what was going on, whether it well, was... From like, context, you could get it, yeah. Or, yeah, you really needed context. But back in the, you know, 70s and 80s, writing was a little, it was a little bit more flowery. Yes. To, to, you know, there was a little bit more description, a little bit more context given because you, you, you know, that was the expectation. Modern writing, shorter sentences, they say, you know, fewer commas. And if you're doing shorter sentences, guess what? You don't need as many commas. If you think a big, long sentence that's a complex sentence, it's got a couple of things going on, you need some commas. Right. That's how I write it. You know, I mean, I, I still like reading Draculas. I edit the heck out of it in my head sometimes. <laughs> but, um, right. so computers change things. Um, the internet changed how we write. Yes, it does. Um, because people don't want to read, for the most part, you know, the you know, we're talking bell curves, um, but that median, you know, bulk of people don't want to read a hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand word <laughs> um, novels anymore. They're getting shorter because when they don't have as much time to read. Um, and they're used to things like blog posts, right? And yeah. shorter. And, I mean, news articles used to be long, and now you get six hundred words for an article. Yeah, because and, it's on the yeah. web; it's got to fit on one page. People don't scroll anymore. And no sentence is longer than a tweet. <laughs> Not in my book. You shouldn't be in my book. I know how to use a semicolon. Um, along those lines, something that's changed in uh, gaming writing is um and i will never do this in fiction writing is leaving a space between your paragraphs a blank line between your paragraphs you indent in fiction writing to show the start of a paragraph yeah. don't indent most of the time in gaming writing. you write it because it looks wrong on the page once you're laying out this information like you would in the internet like you would in the post mm -hmm. like you would on a wikipedia page you don't indent. You don't indent. Mm -hmm. Leave a space between your paragraphs for the next mm -hmm. section. Um, so I, I and that's a Microsoft yeah. Word default now. What? Really? Yes. I don't I write in Microsoft Word. So. It's Calibri, and yeah, the the default is an ex some extra spacing between your paragraphs, which I immediately yeah. go in and change because I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. And I would never do it in fiction. Like my fiction right. writing, mm -hmm. paragraphs are indented. You mm -hmm. have a block of text. But for writing a role-playing game, for something that someone is going to scan and not necessarily read for entertainment, but pick out, okay, I need to go back and reread this one page to find this one information, um, it's your intent is different, so your formatting is different, so your editing is different. Um, if I could jump in here, Wordwin has some more to put in. Earlier, mm -hmm. they said, when composed, does it too, uh, meaning the intero bang, uh, mm -hmm. in, in comment of the short reading, people reading their phone on the toilet according to short paragraphs mm -hmm. and then a, 
very interesting point of information. WordPress charges you extra for the ability to paragraph indent. Interesting. I didn't know that, but... So... Wait. I, like... I don't know. I avoid I, WordPress. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> I have I mean, WordPress, I, but I have the, the cheap one, but I wouldn't surprise me because it's probably part of their... Um, the Deluxe. extra packages that allow you to format the way you want vice their standard uh, yeah yeah okay so let's wrap this up with closing thoughts or summarizations or whatever you guys want tara i'm going to start with you and then we'll go to robert be consistent um don't be afraid to kind of make your own style book your own you know, way of doing, because if you're consistent, your reader will figure it out. Um, just make sure that it's kind of logical. Um, there's no problem with going and reading blog posts about how to use, you know, punctuation and dialogues and, and whatnot. Um, but recognize that it does, you know, it's changed. Um, and if you are submitting to an agent, make, you know, check for what they want you to do a lot of times it's not going to go in that in depth but if you are consistent that means that the agent is going to be able to understand what you're doing and explain to you how to how to fix their their folks will be able to fix because they're going to have people formatting etc and um yeah be consistent, have your own kind of rules because your, your reader is going to pick up on them. And as long as those rules are at least close to um, what everyone else is doing, um, you know, the basics, quotation marks, um, you know, using a comma, uh, when to use a period, if you're going to use a semicolon, use it properly. Um, you know, know your basic rules. Um, and when the rules are fuzzy, Pick a way to do it and be consistent. Very good. And then if you do have an editor um, that you're paying yourself, communicate with them on what your expectations are for what they're doing and how you've you've done it. Um, like, you know, Travis said, I edit for him. And for the most part, he follows the same basic rules that I follow, which are the basic ones. We probably, you know, I'm, I know I'm older than he is, but... Um, came up the same way with, with this following the same rules and um, so there wasn't a whole lot of conflict between editor and writer and um, yes it is a business relationship Travis and I are friends are outside of it um, but he accepts that um, if, if it needs to be torn up it's going to be torn up but I, I don't I don't comment a lot. I make red line changes, and if he has a question, he asks me afterwards. Robert? Um, all of that. Everything she just said, because she's... Uh, but um, I'm going to add a couple things real quick to that. One, uh, you're writing... Uh, some Just some general ways to greatly improve your writing that go into editing. One, print it out. Read it out of a physical page, not off of your computer screen. And then you can mark when you find mistakes. The act of reading physical letters on physical paper is different. It uses different parts of your brain than reading it on a flickering screen. 
our brains have started to change to adapt to reading on screens. But that's a that's an evolutionary change. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, so print out your work to proofread it, to edit it yourself. Two, um, dang it. Read it out loud. Uh, read your words out loud. Yes. And you will catch mistakes. And you will see where things need to change and where flow and you might even find those missing words especially if you're confident enough and you have somebody close by read it aloud to somebody else um or i read some read of it aloud to you right or have them read it aloud to you that's yes. how you'll find where you need commas yes exactly um and the last thing it's been said before um don't be your own only or last editor edit your own work and then have somebody else do it too and pay that person because okay. you'll get a better product. And uh, Wordwin says, but, but, but Rob, dude, printing something is more expensive than an editor. Change the font. <laughs> yeah. Change the font. And your um, margins. Do the select all. Change so I, the font and try that. Yeah. I, I mean, I get printed proofs. I'm pretty sure Travis probably orders printed proofs of his books. I get printed proofs of my books if it's going for a long print run, it comes from the printer, printed, and it's not bound. It's just papers stacked up. And I have to go through those as a publisher, page by page, and make sure everything is correct. And I will find mistakes in those printed proofs that I didn't catch writing it. I didn't catch uh, rereading it. I didn't catch laying it out. My editor didn't catch editing it. My beta readers didn't catch it. Nobody caught it until it's in that final printed form. And then you see you spelled acknowledgments wrong. <laughs> um, so print it out. It's more expensive, yes. But print out that one copy before you print out a thousand. Yes. Okay. My closing <laughs> thoughts are know the rules, follow the rules, then break the rules. To go yeah. in saying I can do whatever I want because it's my style, that is – it's wrong. You can have your own style, but you have to know what you're doing differently so you can be consistent and make it tied in enough to what everybody else understands is the rules that they understand you're changing the rules for this. Um, also, yeah. to add to that, constantly learn. This is something we just discussed here where I'm like, I don't remember M dashes, but now we have them and they want to put them every research, learn. Be prepared that language is an ever-changing thing. The written word and the spoken word, yes, it's essential for us to communicate clearly. To do that, we have to communicate in the way people are communicating now, not the way we grew up decades ago. Uh, Werdwin says, Tara mentioned changing font. I got into the habit of changing the font with each revision. That will make you read it differently, more clearly. I think that's all the notes I've heard. So and that's if clever. you do that change the font thing, don't change if you're using, say, Times New Roman, which is a serif font, which means it has those little taggy things. When you change it to another font, like choose Arial, which is a sans serif font. Yes. Okay. Because cha if you change it from Times New Roman to Deja Vu, it's, it's going to look a little fatter, but it's not going to really look different. If you change it to Arial, which is actually an easier font to read online as well. Yeah, it will. But <laughs> online, if, if, if you're not willing to, you know, if you can't afford to print it out, it changes the font. So you see the words and your brain 
looks at them differently. I'm pretty sure we all know to change it to Comic Sans and email it to everybody in a not blind carbon copy. That's Comic the Sans. <laughs> Comic Sans is an all cap font. Remember, we said you don't. You don't. I know it's it's so easy to edit. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Okay, let's do some closing stuff here. Um, if you guys have any of you listening to the podcast have any comments, questions, or ideas or thoughts about this topic, feel free to email us at rightnightshow at gmail.com. That's right, W-R-I-T-E, night, N-I-G-H-T, show at gmail.com. Also, if you want to hear certain topics discussed, let us know what those are. Or if you just want to announce your book coming out or other things, you can email us about that so we can comment on that too. Um, I want to thank everybody who has supported this podcast and the live stream that we do live on air with a interactive chat audience at twitch.tv slash Travis Tavern Talk, where I also do live streaming of my writing of novels. And uh, thank everybody for supporting the channel with bits, subs, buying merchandise, hosting, rating, as well as on Patreon and PayPal. You guys are awesome. Let's get some closing music and boogie our way out. Thank you for joining author Travis I. Sivar and the other writers, content creators, and all-around amazing people for our discussion here on Writing Night. Join us again soon, and until you do, may make sure you create with passion, enjoy the journey, and remember, every night can be the right night. This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org holiday. That's childrensnational.org holiday.